Hey guys, welcome back to Upbeats. I'm your host, Parker Kane. Thank you very much for being here and for listening in. I appreciate it. And thanks for bearing with me through some of these rockier, fun improv intros that I've been doing lately. Uh, for, for those of you who were here last year, you know that I had a very specific intro that I played at the beginning of every single episode. And you may have heard me even say in a few of the episodes last year that I didn't really like that intro because it wasn't like my music or anything. It was a free, copyright-free, downloadable track that I got uh, when I first thought of creating a podcast. And I made an intro, and it was all right, but for the most part, it always just kind of felt off to me. And I want one that's more original to me. So I'm in this phase right now where I'm not going to use that one anymore, but I don't have a new one yet. So I've just kind of been doing some improv beatboxing at the beginning of these episodes. I hope you love it. I I enjoy doing that. I I always enjoy beatboxing. Uh, But anyway, getting into this episode, I had a really phenomenal experience interviewing Jenny Oaks Baker, uh, gosh, a few weeks now, even before Christmas. And I'm just really excited to finally share this interview with you. She is such a phenomenal and talented person. And yeah, I'm just really excited to finally share this with you. So let's get right into it. Jenny is a Grammy-nominated musician and world-renowned recording artist and concert violinist. She also tours with her family, and actually, uh, they're here right now on tour, and that's why we're, we're able to be here for this interview right now. Her daughter, Laura, plays violin and percussion. Uh, her daughter, Hannah, plays piano. Her daughter, Sarah, plays cello. And her son, Matthew, plays the classical guitar. Jenny, thank you very much for being on the show with me. Happy to be here. So you're obviously very talented, got an inspiring story, and that's really what I want to get into. So uh, could you just briefly take us from childhood to where you are now and tell me maybe how you got your passion for music and violin and how you ultimately discovered that? When I was four years old, my mother took me to a Mormon Youth Symphony concert, which they became the orchestra at Temple Square. And my brother was a French horn player in that orchestra. And they were featuring some young violinists who had taken violin through the Suzuki method, which was very new to this country, very new to Utah, where I was living. And my mom was really impressed with these little violinists. And she just said to me as a four-year-old, um, do you want to play the violin? And I said, sure. And so I just started taking lessons. At that point, a very, very good teacher moved in, moved to Provo named Hiroko Primrose, who actually studied with Dr. Suzuki. And I just had the the best training when I was young. And I just, I really loved performing and I loved the violin and music. And so when I was 18, I got into the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia and I got my bachelor's at that conservatory. And then I went to Juilliard in New York for my master's. In New York, I met my husband and we got married. Um, He got a job in Washington, D.C. So we moved down there after I got my master's and um, I auditioned and got into the National Symphony. I was the first violinist there. Um, And we started having children. We had four children. And by the time I was pregnant with my fourth, I started feeling like I wasn't supposed to be in the symphony anymore, that God wanted me home with our kids full time. And that was a really scary um, decision because I, even though I'd started kind of making solo albums for Shadow Mountain Records, I hadn't performed a lot. And so I didn't have a lot of solo performances. And so when I left, I, but I felt like God wanted me to leave. So I left the symphony and I had no concerts at all. And that was really scary because I kind of just thought, well, I guess music's over for me. 
But the day I left the symphony, even though I left kind of very quietly because of different legal reasons, I couldn't like, they didn't have a party for me. <laughs> I just kind of left all by myself to my, my, what I thought was just the end of my musical career. But the day after I left, I got call, a call from a conductor to start like come perform with his orchestra as a soloist. And from there, I just got more and more concerts and started to kind of build my solo career on the side as I was home with my kids full time. And it was it was a perfect balance for me. And I know it was what God wanted me to do. And it also gave me more time to help my kids develop their talents and um, help them pursue you know their gifts and develop them. When they were really little, I just, just for fun, I'd put them on maybe like a program here, their one song. And it was a lot of work to put together People really liked it, and so we'd put maybe two songs on a program. And a few years later, we'd maybe put three or four songs on a program, and now I just perform with my kids pretty much. <laughs> I mean, once in a while, I'll go and perform solo. Like I, last year, I went and performed as a soloist at the Pittsburgh Symphony um, on their big Christmas program. Um, but for the most part, I mostly perform with my children, and it's so fun and so rewarding. Yeah, and I got to uh, hear you guys live this morning, actually, perform a cover of The First Noel. Uh-huh. You guys sounded amazing oh thank you and it just blew my mind that like because you rolled up kind of early in the morning and your kids are waking up from sleeping in the car (laughs) seriously and literally with like no practice at all you just sound amazing and just go right into like one of the more beautiful arrangements that i've heard of that song oh thank you Uh, and so i i just commend you for that because that it's sheer talent but also a lot a lot of work and a practice lot work. a lot of work a lot of work like my my poor kids they're trying to manage regular school they're not homeschooled and so they miss a lot of class and they have to just make up their work and and become really really independent and go to their teachers and say what have i missed how can i make it up what can i do in advance and they just they're just having and it's kind of a good preparation for adulthood because that's what you have to do as adults. You just have to make it work. And you might not have enough time to accomplish something that needs to be accomplished and you just get it done somehow. And you rely on God to help you through it. So there's yeah. hopefully learning those lessons that I've had to learn as well. Definitely. Well, and I, I was curious, what was the deciding factor like for for them picking like their instrument and their their kind of niche? Like, Did they try everything or did they just naturally go to one? I mean, I, I started my kids when they were three and four years old on their instruments. So at that point, kids don't really know what everything that's out there and <laughs> they're three. Um, I think the spirit guided our family because I, I know that God knew what we were supposed to do with, as a family and he guided us because there was no way of, that my kids could like make an educated decision about their instrument at age three. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just started Laura on violin when she was three because that's what you do with a three-year-old. And I knew the violin and she's very spunky and precocious and that just makes a good violinist. I started Hannah on the piano when she was four only because the piano teacher refused to start her when she was three Um, because they don't make little mini pianos. So it's just kind of too big of an instrument to start a three-year-old really seriously. So she was four. Sarah, I started on the cello when she was three because they do make mini cellos and she really took to it. And Matthew, I intended on having him become a violist so we could do string quartets as a family. And I started him on violin, intending to move him to viola. But he just fought it like crazy. And he was, I mean, I could see that he could play the little violin. He could play Twinkle Twinkle, but he just didn't feel like it. And it was so frustrating because I'd I'd stand him up in front of me and he'd do the little like bendy knees where he wouldn't stand. And I'd put the violin in his arms and he'd like drop it on purpose. And and it was so frustrating. For about six months, I tried. And I finally kind of, one day he just threw it down and he said, I'm a pianoist. 
And I'm like, but we have a piano. So we just tried out guitar on him and he took to it. He didn't fight guitar at all. So like that little three-year-old, four-year-old knew that violin wasn't his instrument. And I feel like the spirit guided him because it is just, the guitar is perfect for Matthew. So that's how our family came to play the instruments that they play. Um, But it was, none of them came to me like begging for an instrument because they just didn't. But I knew it'd be good for them. And so we started them and they just didn't get to go play with friends until their practicing was done. And they still are not supposed to go play with friends or do anything else before their practicing is done. And it's not that they love to practice. None of us do. But it needs to be it needs to be done because we perform tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And we have a lesson tomorrow or we have a concert tomorrow. And anyway, so that's, that's how it works in our family. Yeah, you just got to prioritize it, make it a very necessary, mandatory thing. Yeah, it's like some parents are like, how do you make practicing enjoyable? And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> we just we just work hard at it. We get it done. I mean, I don't think parents care if loading the dishwasher is enjoyable or that what if your kid doesn't like taking a bath or a shower? Do you say, oh, okay, well, if you don't like it, then it that's fine. No, you say get your bottom in the shower and you smell. Go take a bath. I don't yeah. care if you like your bath or shower. Go get it done. Mm-hmm. You smell. Yeah. And that's the way practicing, not the <laughs> a really rosy way of talking about it. But it's just, it's a necessary task and you need to go get it done. And you mm-hmm. need to do your best and you need to reach your potential because yeah. you've been given a gift and God expects you to develop it. So get in there and do it. That's a really, really cool perspective. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I love that just because w- I feel like we all are, you know, here on earth with talents that we were blessed with. And if we don't do those things, then it's almost like, we're just wasting our time here and not doing what we were meant to do while we're here. Yeah, and there's a lot of things in life that are not fun. Yeah. I mean, I love my life. I have a beautiful life, but I I think 90% of the time I'm doing things that, that are not fun. They're a lot of hard work, but that 10% is awesome. And some days it's 1%. Some days it's no percent. Some days it's 100% of fun. I mean, sometimes we do need to, you know, have the recreation and everything, but the recreation in our family only can come after the hard work is done. My dad used to say, work first and play later. And my my siblings used to tease him that really he meant work first, play never. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, once in a while he'll he'll play, but I think it's a little hard for my father. I play hard. I like to play, but only I can only truly enjoy it when the work is done. Yeah. Well, when I was, I was actually going to lead right into that is ask you what qualities you admire most from each of your parents. My dad is integrity. My dad has more integrity than, I mean, anyone I've ever met, maybe except I've met the prophet, so I won't say that his integrity <laughs> is higher than the prophets, but they're, yeah. they're, they're both in the running. They're just Just ultimate, complete integrity. And I see that going through everything that he does. I see it encouraging him to be courageous. If he feels like he needs to say something or do something, even if it might not be popular in the world, he'll do it because he was led by the spirit and knows it's the right thing to do and nothing will get in the way of him doing the right thing. And so it makes him more courageous and he's just ultimately good and very honest and very fair. And that's a good thing. I mean, he was, he was a lawyer and a judge, so it's good for them to have integrity. And so he has a good backing of that. But, um, so integrity for sure. My mom, Oh, she passed away 22 years ago. I miss her like crazy every day. My mom, people used to say, you're just so down to earth. She was just down to earth. And for instance, she she was the wife of the BYU president. So she would host different 
you know, leaders. She even hosted President Ford, I believe. So she would host these these world leaders or whatever. And, and then the next day, she'd have the carpet layer over to dinner. And she would put the same amount of preparation in for both both groups because she just saw people as people. And she was friends with everyone and didn't put on airs. And I think it would have been easy for her to put on airs as BYU president's wife, as an apostle's wife. But she just didn't. And if she saw any of us putting on airs or being uppity, she'd say, who do you think you are? And that yeah. would take us down to, to who we were. And down to earth. <laughs> yeah, she was just down to earth and people just loved her. And she just, she didn't care what anyone thought. She would just live her own way and her own way was lovely and good. So it was fine. Yeah. But yeah, so I think those are the, the things I admire most about my parents. Awesome. Well, and for those listening who maybe don't know, can you share who your father is and what you mean by apostle? So my father is President Dallin H. Oaks. He is in the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, also used to be known as the Mormon Church. He was president of Brigham Young University and a very well-respected leader in, in the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. Um, my mom was June D. Oaks, and she was awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, and I was going to ask... With your music, do you feel just that much closer to her when, when you are performing? Oh, definitely. My mom is the reason I play the violin, and she pushed me, and she supported me, and she was my biggest advocate, my biggest cheerleader. I mean, she died, but I know she's still up in heaven. I know that she's there. I'm grateful to know that, that life doesn't end when we die. Yeah. It goes on, and we will see our loved ones again, and they're, they're there kind of as our guardian angels, and... Sometimes I'll feel her her spirit really near when I perform, and that's a really special experience. And my dad has told me that if you're just kind of going about your business, and all of a sudden you just out of the blue think of a loved one who's who's gone, that there's a very good chance that they're there. And so if I'll just be playing, I'll just be playing a concert here and there, and all of a sudden I'll just think about my mom, and I know she's there. And wow. she doesn't stay very long. It's not like she stays the whole show. She's got important work to do on the other side and but I know she just comes back dad calls it a hall pass she just gets a <laughs> hall pass just kind of yeah. checks in and and I know that that's the way we all have these guardian angels of our loved ones who have, have passed on and others that maybe our our ancient ancestor not ancient but like our distant ancestors they're they come back and they watch out for us and I'm grateful yeah awesome well thank you for sharing that with us let's see I, w I was gonna say with performing, because you do performing, but you also do studio recording. Yeah. Do you have one that you prefer more or one that's a favorite? Oh, for sure, performing. I mean, recording is a necessary evil, but it is so stressful. And you like the expectation is perfection. In a live show, the expectation isn't necessarily perfection. Like I try to be perfect, yeah. but the expectation is that people have an experience and that you touch hearts. And that you leave people changed and you you experience something together and that it's emotional and a, like visually exciting. And so that it's, it's a different kind of performance. The recording has to be all those things, I mean, except visually, but it has to like touch people's heart and leave them changed and everything. But it also has to be completely perfect because it's forever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just water under the bridge. It's it's like a pond. <laughs> and so I, there's just an added pressure. And the worst part, I don't mind the recording so much, but it's listening back to the recording. Unedited too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know it's that. It's the worst. I like I hate it. Like I I hate it. The the 
you know, recording engineers will send me the tracks to listen to to approve. And I just feel like I have to like basically go look at myself naked under a microscope yeah. and like search for er- search for errors and search yeah. for like inconsistencies and mistakes and I just I just hate it. I hate yeah. it. But you do it because it has yeah. to be done. And I hate it more. Like my first album, I didn't listen very I was just so excited to make an album. Mm-hmm. This was over 20 years ago. I was young and I was stupid and I I was just so excited about it. I just listened while I like twirled around my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Like as a 19 or 20 year old, just thinking, oh, isn't this wonderful? Isn't that fun? Listen to the orchestra there. And then I just, I gave my approval and then I I refused to listen to that album because I listened back and I'm like, oh, that note was out of tune or oh, that I wish I'd crescendoed there, gotten louder and oh, what's that? was a bow noise or because I didn't listen really carefully, yeah. but that album taught me a lesson. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, so my very first time recording, uh, I've never done an album or anything, but I record beatboxing and uh-huh. covers for, for YouTube and my very first time, I hated listening back. And my audio engineer, because I was complaining like, oh, I suck. Oh, I'm terrible. You know? <laughs> and he was just like, you know, Parker, you're very, very talented. It's just when you put it under this microscope, it makes it feel like you're not. But also, uh, there's a difference between editing to fix and editing to produce. And that like has stayed with me forever because he's like, some people are really bad and they have to be edited like crazy to make them sound good. Right. He's like, but you sound good and I just have to edit it enough to make it a produced thing. Yeah. And and I was mistaken between <laughs> between all those. I was just like, I'm terrible. Oh, <laughs> You're having just... to fix so much. <laughs> you also listen on a much closer level than than people do when they're just listening. But yeah. still, there might be that one person that sits down and really studies every note. <laughs> it's got to be ready for that. Yeah, true. Um, well, awesome. So for uh, the majority of this audience, I would say you're like 17 to 34 years old. Oh, youngins. And yeah, <laughs> and they're, <laughs> they're trying, you know, and I have, I've had the privilege to go to uh, BYU-Idaho uh-huh. for college. And I felt like everyone I met was talented especially musically talented, like everyone was good. And for a lot of them, they're like, you know, I'd love to do this, but I know it's not possible, so I'm going to become this. Or I'd love to to play piano the rest of my life or teach guitar the rest of my life, but it's not possible and it's not the normal, and so I'm going to do this. And so for people with that mindset or people with that struggle, uh, what would some advice be for them? There's so many great musicians out there and there's very few music jobs that can really support yeah. a family. So I remember hearing at, at the Curtis Institute of Music, which is one of the very best places for classical musical education in the world, they basically told us, if you can do anything else, do it. So even at the very, very, very highest level of musicians, they're encouraging people, if they're not dying to do it, don't do it. Just do it as a hobby. It's a lovely hobby. So I, I'm not advocating that everybody just like, just jump, you know, head first into becoming a musician because it is hard. I don't support our family. I couldn't support our family, and I'm a successful classical violinist that performs, I don't know, a few hundred shows a year, or probably at least two hundred shows a year, and I couldn't support our family. So uh, happily. 
I, my husband supports our family and I make it possible for my kids to do music lessons and go on vacations. And so I definitely help supplement, but I, I, on my own could not support our family. Well, <laughs> I mean, maybe if we were really, 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 really strict, but yeah. I, I'm not used to being really, really, really strict. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a hard road, but I mean, it's definitely possible, but there aren't a ton of jobs. There's becoming less and less, at least classical musician jobs. Mm -hmm. um, there's less and less full-time orchestras and more and more qualified people for those jobs. If you can do something else, music's yeah. an amazing hobby. It's an amazing thing to maybe, like if you love guitar and you want to teach guitar, um, either try to get a university job so you have to get a doctorate and then you can teach guitar in addition to your university students or maybe you become a lawyer and you teach it at night because it's fun yeah. as a hobby. So. It's, I mean, but there's, I mean, there's always different ways and the spirit will guide everyone to do what they're supposed to do. But I, I wouldn't incur, I wouldn't say people are selling out if they love music and they have talents and yet they feel like they want to, you know, go into business or, or, you know, teach school, you know, as in, in a band or whatever, and then teach guitar on the side or whatever. But I mean, you definitely have to supplement if you're planning on being a musician. Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you for that. And then you've, I'm thinking 15 albums now. Is that yeah, right? Like you've done a albums. lot of albums. My 16th is coming out in March and it's phenomenal. It's called Epic and it oh, is epic. Awesome. It is fantastic album. It is <laughs> so great. I'm so excited about it. And Kurt Bester did all the arrangements and they're phenomenal. Awesome. Well, I was just going to say for someone who wants to create an album or wants to get a performance or wants to start establishing credibility? Like what are some things that they could do? Uh, but then also accompanied with that, of the albums you've done, of the people you've collaborated with, what have been some like standout projects? Well, first off, make sure you practice like absolute crazy. Because if you're not the best at your craft, it's going to be even harder to make it. So practice, 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 and develop your skills. And once you've done that, and as you're doing that, also become a good advocate for yourself. I mean, I I play the violin, but I feel like, I don't know, 90% of the time I'm marketing. So become good at marketing. I'm, you know, making social media posts or sending out, you know, advertising type things or encouraging conductors to book my show or... So, so much of what I do is marketing and I'm not trained in marketing. So I've just had to kind of figure it out and I don't think I'm very good at it, but I feel like my skills <laughs> kind of make up for some of that. But it'd be pretty amazing if I were really good at social media and marketing. I think I could be even more successful, um, but I just don't have the time to become the best at that. Um, so I just do my best and then just pray for guidance, pray for the right opportunities and just follow the spirit. And then awesome. as far as highlights, I just recorded an album with my children called Jenny Oaks Baker and Family Four. And it is such a joy to have that album. It's just just a record of, of what my kids have been able to accomplish and what we've been able to do as a family. And so that was a highlight. That was more work than I ever imagined it would be, but it was worth it. Um, I also was able to record a track with Condoleezza Rice, An Amazing Grace, and do a video with her. That was pretty amazing. And that one, that one was a very popular yeah, one too. It yeah. got, it was went viral, but that was pretty fantastic. I also, I'm a big fan of Lexi Walker. She just has an incredible voice. We did the prayer on one of my albums. Um, but one of the greatest musical highlights of my life is working with Kurt Bester, and he's written music for me for over 20 years. 
I think I counted, he's written over a hundred arrangements for me. And they're all just phenomenal, life-changing, you know, blow your emotional mind. And I'm just so grateful for that collaboration because he kind of writes for my musical soul. And I'm so, so grateful for for his incredible musical genius and his very generous heart. Awesome. Thank you. I've just got kind of the last two or three questions. Uh, one more serious, one more fun, but uh, serious. Uh, again, with a lot of the students I've met and a lot of the demographic of this pod- podcast, depression, lack of motivation, you know, just feeling stuck, not knowing where to go. Any kind of advice for, for them who are struggling and, and just really feel down in the dumps or, or stuck where they're at? Well, for me, I've, ne- I've never struggled with depression or anxiety, and I, I'm sure it's so difficult to go through. Um, my heart goes out to those who struggle with that. But I think it all boils down to knowing that we're all children of God, and He is our Father, and we can rely on Him, and we can call out to Him for help in any and every situation, and He will be there. And if you want him there in greater abundance, you need to follow his teachings and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that will get you closer to him and he'll more he'll be more able to help you because he is there and we just pull ourselves closer or farther away from him. So if we're really far away, it's harder for him to to get to us. So just getting your life more in line with with God and his teachings. And I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that faith has been such a blessing in my life and the lives of my family. And it is really at the root of all my successes and all my joys and all the peace I feel and all the, everything that is beautiful in my life comes from my membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So for me, that gives a tremendous amount of hope and it gives you the ability to accomplish great things and to know that God is at your side and he will help you accomplish what he sent you to earth to accomplish. And as long as you feel like you're on the path that God wants you to be on, it doesn't matter where that path is because there's tremendous joy and fulfillment and happiness in knowing that you're where God wants you to be. And no matter where that is, you're doing exactly what you came to earth to do. And that is empowering and fulfilling and gives a lot of confidence and joy. So that's, that's kind of And my life hasn't always, I've worked so hard and not every door is open to me. I feel like, I don't know, one in a hundred open to me. But those doors that open, I know they're open by God and that he's, you know, behind them opening and wants me to doing exactly what I'm doing. And being on that path is, is a real happy place to be. So that's what I would, that's what I would suggest. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with, with me and with the listeners uh, the last kind of few fun questions. Uh, what's your favorite word? <laughs> Productivity. Productivity. Yes, I love getting tasks done and accomplishing tasks. Awesome. Would your kids say that too, probably, if I were to oh, ask them? probably say slave driver. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Delegator. Maybe that's a nicer word. Um, favorite TV show. Oh. Or if you guys watch TV. I watch it on the treadmill. I'm Right now, I'm like obsessed with Married at First Sight. Oh, I've Which seen is that. Yeah. Like on Lifetime. I've been watching all the seasons and I really love it. But I've also I love Top Chef and I love Downton Abbey, but I got a little frustrated with some of the storylines. I wish they hadn't included every single storyline they did. <laughs> but aside yeah. from a few of the storylines, I love Downton Abbey. Awesome. And then favorite social media platform. 
or like where people can contact Jenny you Oaks Baker. <laughs> <laughs> your website yeah well i mean i'm my, on social media on facebook i'm jenny oaks baker i have a personal page it's full but i also have the fan page and they're both jenny oaks baker so just find find the the fan page um but i i just am so busy i don't spend a whole lot of time just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out on social media but. yeah Makes sense. It's better to, in my opinion, it's better to be a producer than a consumer. Uh We all try. Yeah. Post online rather than sit there all day and just scroll. Yeah. (laughs) Scrolling is a a life suck. Yes. Well, awesome, Jenny. Thank you very much for, for being on Upbeat. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. There's my interview with Jenny Oaks Baker. Again, so grateful for the opportunity. It was an amazing experience to meet her, to hear her family perform, and then to do this cool interview. So again, Jenny, thank you very much for being on the show with me. I appreciate that. And for those of you listening, thank you very much for listening and for making it this far. If you could do me a huge favor and hit the subscribe button or the follow button on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this on, that would be much appreciated. You guys are the best. I'll see you next week.